Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 51. Glad you could join us. If you've been listening to the podcast, then you've probably heard many references to the graduation ceremonies that have taken place as a sort of in-person reunion for Colby families. Due to the current situation, this year's graduation was streamed online, and we thought it would be nice to give you the chance to listen to the speakers from that day. Thank you for your continued support, and congratulations to the class of 2021. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And I'm Jordan. As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby online and serve as the alumni and public relations director. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O merciful Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beseech you to watch over the graduating class of 2021 as we seek to follow your most holy will. Through the ultimate love shown on Calvary, please help us to keep the faith in the years to come. Help us to strive for virtue in all that we do and continue to develop a relationship with you. Please fill us with your grace and blessings, whether we are going to college, taking a gap year, pursuing the religious life, or entering seminary. I ask that you bless our parents who have so graciously raised us in the faith, sacrificed so much to provide us with an excellent Catholic education, who have served as our instructors and mentors and have shown us their unconditional love. I also ask that you bless our siblings, family, friends, and the Colby instructors and staff who have shown us their constant support, especially during our during the past four years. Through the intercession of our patron saints, St. Joseph and St. Maximilian Colby, may we forever come to know, love, and serve you in our everyday lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Isaiah 43, verses one through two. Teachers, faculty, students, family, and friends, welcome. I first want to thank Mrs. Laniel, Mrs. Treat, Mr. Boyarski, and all others involved for organizing our graduation. We are so grateful for all of the work you put into making this day memorable. To all other teachers and faculty, I would like to say thank you on behalf of what you have offered over the four years. Those of us might be that we no longer have to navigate the updated Adobe Disconnect. As Colby Academy students, I know you are all familiar with hearing your name called during class, whether that be by your teachers or by your parents. One of the first times I can remember my name being called was way back in the ninth grade when I was a wise still worried about the class hearing background noise during my mic check. I think we can all agree that worry has long since subsided. My challenge? To answer a question about the Iliad. My confidence level? Unfortunately high. 
I went to turn on my microphone, but lo and behold, I looked up to see my face plastered on the screen next to my teacher's. I struggled to turn off my microphone, and I struggled to turn off my webcam and find my microphone, as well as my confidence, but I couldn't find either. No amount of positive self-talk could make me feel better about then, finally, answering that question wrong. For all of you seniors today, that first moment of hearing your name called may have been different than mine, and I kind of hope it was. Perhaps, if, perhaps it was when your teachers called you into the next room to begin your lesson. Perhaps it was when you first typed in your username as you logged on to watch a class recording. Perhaps it was when you first saw the stack of high school books for the year your books. Regardless, I urge you to think back on that moment now and remember how it felt to see, to hear, and to see your name as a high school student for the very first time. Our education at Colby Academy, we had bedrooms, offices, and kitchen tables. Instead of teachers telling us to quiet down during class, You when sibling shenanigans and whether or not one student copied another student's answer in the chat. I won't name any names here, but I think you Latin students might know what I'm talking about. Colby Academy students come from all around the world. Lead exceptionally different and on many what unites us shared experience of wandering around the halls for the first time. But what does unite us? is something far more beautiful and eternal, our Catholic faith. Our education at Colby excels at drawing connections between academics and Christ. We have not college checklist. We have learned to appreciate the beauty of God's creation through our studies, alongside our parents and our teachers who know our names and our backgrounds, who are able to tailor our studies specifically for who we are as individuals. The past four years for us have been difficult, to say the least. We suffered late nights and faced the woes of procrastination, yes. But we also lived through a pandemic, watched older siblings leave, and lost loved ones. I personally lost my grandfather, an incredible human being, mentor, and friend, just last year. But throughout all of our struggles, throughout the highs and lows of academic life and maturing in general, we had the privilege of community. Our friends and teachers here at Colby, as well as our own families, all of whom know each other and us. To all who have walked this long road with us, to my own mom and dad, siblings and family, I want to say thank you. We would not be here today without you. Two weeks ago, we all attended our last ever Colby classes, whether that be online, self-paced, or with our parents. During the closing prayer of my last class, AP Literature with Mrs. Crawford, my favorite class of all time, Mrs. Crawford thanked the Lord for all he had done for us this year, and she proceeded to ask God to bless the whole class. She called all of our names one by one. That was the last time a high school teacher ever called my name during class. What should have been a relief was this immensely heartbreaking and life-giving moment that I will remember forever. Think back to your last day of school, to the last assignment you turned in, to the last time a teacher called on you, 
to the last time your parent called to make sure all of your finals had been completed. Seniors here today, if there is one thing I want you to remember, it's that God is calling you by name. Like it says in scripture, Isaiah 43, I have called you by name, you are mine. It was on that last class day, it was when Mrs. Crawford last called my name, that I could finally see the growth. I could see how all along, even in the moments when I didn't know the answers, my teachers and my parents had been guiding me and showing me ever so subtly how to hear and how to answer God's call. And any failure along the way, like with my The Iliad question, I was able to learn not only the correct answer, but how to persevere in academics and in my relationship with Christ. Seniors, we are about to embark on an adventure. We have been preparing for this moment all of our lives, and now it's here. If you are wondering if you can make it in college, if you are heading into the military and questioning if that is the right decision for you, if you are considering consecrated life and wonder if God can really be calling you, if you are beginning a job and cannot fathom how you're going to master the art of being an adult so quickly, if you are fearful of your future, whatever it may be, I want you to know that I see you. I want you to know that I am scared too. An immense, extraordinary, down to my core kind of scared. But we are. Human beings. If you are standing in front of you and Christ calling your name every step of the way. As we learn to face the future, I am not by any means saying that it is going to be easy. You are going to struggle and stumble and fall. But I am saying that I will be right there on the ground beside you, wondering how to get up and keep moving. And if you listen closely, you will hear Christ gently whisper your name. Sometimes it's in response to you. Sometimes it's completely out of the blue and you didn't know your heart was crying out, but it was. And sometimes, like the last time I heard my name called in class, it's just Christ's way of saying, I see you, I love you, and I will walk with you. Friends, he sees you, he loves you, and he will walk with you. You are his. As we move on to this next portion of graduation, you will hear your name called for the last time at Colby, and you will finally receive that diploma. As that happens, I challenge you to picture Christ saying your name at the same time. Ask him what he wants you to do with the precious life you have been given. Tell him you want to hear him and listen. And for goodness sake, let yourself be excited for all that you have accomplished and all that's to come. Be excited in the scared. It's an art, it is, one that I have yet to fully master, but with a little gumption and a lot of grace, I know we can do it. Congratulations, Colby Academy, class of 2021. We did it. Hello, Colby students and faculty and parents. I'm hoping this uh, is broadcasting all right. Uh, this is the newest Adobe Connect update uh, background. Pretty impressive, huh? No, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm, I'm broadcasting from one of my favorite places on the planet, uh, the top of my favorite ski hill, so I'm at about 8,600 feet. And uh, it's an honor to be here with you today with some of my favorite people in my favorite place on Earth. 
Uh, thank you for the nice introduction, John, and Caroline, beautiful uh, speech you gave. Thank you for that. Um, I'll, I'll try to do my best as well. Excuse me if I read a little bit. My, uh, my seat is a piece of granite, and my podium is my knees. So uh, bear with me in that. And uh, it's not traditional to uh, wear sunglasses during a graduation address, but I'm going to uh, so I can see through the glare. And my, my hair has been uh, styled today by the wind. So greetings, faculty, staff, families, friends, colleagues, and graduates. It is a great honor to have been asked to speak at this year's graduation. The online nature of your secondary edu education had been quite unique until this past year when the entire world decided to give it a go. I'm certain, however, that whereas the vast majority of students and faculty struggled with the switch to online education, Colby Academy students, staff, and teachers have, as they have the last eight years, continued to thrive. You have been in your element not just because of your familiarity with the technological platforms, but mostly because you and your families truly value education. School for your families is not just a convenient daycare setup. It's a path for the nourishment of your minds and your souls. It is for this reason that I have chosen to speak today on the truest purpose of education, the why behind classes and schedules, stress, spoke of, dissertations, and degrees. When my second-born daughter was three years old, my wife, now homeschooling, mother of a small army, asked her, who made you? Maggie responded, God made me. My wife, a woman educator as she is now, followed with a, another question, why did God make you? And sweet little Maggie, again, three years old, said, he wanted me. He loved me. There's a relatively famous book of essays written in 1986 by Robert Fulgham entitled, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Here to bolster that thesis was a young preschooler recounting the truths of our faith with great sincerity of heart. Although Maggie, of course, is a genius, that most of our very young children, all young children growing up in active Catholic families concerned with a proper education, would answer much the same way. As Christ says to us in Matthew 18, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Question number six in the Baltimore Catechism is, some of you are familiar with this, why did God make you? Full answer. Maggie didn't give the full answer. The full answer is God made me to know him, love him, to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. How can we sum that up? Because he loves me. This is the true aim of education, to know, to love, to serve God. Not to save the world from tyranny or climactic destruction, not to bring about racial and economic harmony, not to produce a compliant workforce, not to indoctrinate the next generation with the ideals of a socialist regime. The purpose of education 
is to know, to love, and to serve God. So how do we know love and serve God? We know God, of course, first through the sacraments. In baptism and first communion and confirmation, we are made members of God's family. Through the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, we are strengthened with the daily bread of Christ's true flesh. When we fall short of our inheritance, we are able to return to God's family through the graces of reconciliation. And when older, when we may be called to the holy orders of matrimony, to commit our daily work to God's purposes, and to know him in obedience to a rule of life, or what I call a rule of wife, and we know God. How else may we know God? May we know God? We can, of course, know Him also through the Scriptures. Our Protestant brethren do an excellent job of knowing God through His Word. Similarly, we need to acquaint ourselves with the living Word of God, or as it is written in Hebrews, the Word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates to the heart, dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes. We also come to know God through the magisterium, the traditions of the church, the stories of the saints, which I'm sure were recounted to you many times in your households. And of course, the examples also of the elders who surround us, our parents, our teachers, our mentors. Certainly, your education has been rich in scripture and tradition, helping you to better know our all-loving, all-powerful, all-merciful God. We can also, of course, know God through the works of nature. It's one of the reasons I wanted to deliver this address from this mountaintop. In the works of nature, we see God's handiwork, the handiwork of the grand designer, as St. Thomas Aquinas uh, referred to him. The intricacies of a cell and the simple complexity of an atom are truly glimpses into the divine. Those are ways we can know God. But when we know God, we cannot help but also love God. And when you love him, you cannot help but to serve him. We love God best by obeying his commandments. When asked what the greatest commandment was, in Matthew 22, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. and The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We also show our love to God in the worship of him. Holy sacrifice of the Mass and in Eucharistic adoration. But as St. Teresa of Calcutta said, for love to be real, it must cost, it must hurt, it must empty us of self. That is where service comes into play, where the command to love your neighbor as yourself becomes truly realized. We are called to love God through service. These acts of service are summed up nicely into the corporal works of mercy, providing for the needs of the poor, 
giving food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, being imprisoned, and burying the dead. Well, you know that. And you've known much of this, and it seems like all you needed to know before you even began kindergarten was there. Like I said, many of you said, because God loves us. We are called to love and know and serve God. And if you know that all at such a young age, why continue on to college? Why go on to graduate or professional school or culinary school or art school or go into dancing or become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a teacher or a homeschool parent? Why do any of those things? In Luke 12, we hear this. From Christ himself. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You all, we all, have been given much. In fact, we have all been given everything. We are all incredibly privileged beyond understanding. We are adopted princes princesses of an everlasting kingdom. All the saints and martyrs throughout history have understood this. St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Edith Stein, St. Maximilian Kolbe, and St. Charles Wanga and his companions, whose feast we celebrate today, they all understood that the truth of the gospel and the treasures of God's kingdom were worth everything, even their lives. All of the saints and martyrs remembered Jesus, in his final words, as we heard just recently on the Feast of the Ascension and this past Sunday, gave us one final commandment. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... And with you always to the very end of the age. You see, we, we all teach. Those not born into faithful families, or those 70% of Catholics who don't believe in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, for the largely secularized and materialistic society we find ourselves in today, the truth is not known. Many see the privilege of the few. Instead of the privilege we have all been gifted, the suffering, death, resurrection of Christ our Lord. And this is where the spiritual acts of mercy come into play. It is necessary for these children of God, our brothers and sisters, to be instructed and advised. But to do this well with compassion and clarity, with patience and charity, we must educated. We must develop our minds as much as possible so that in public forums, both virtual and corporal, the truth of Christ is clearly expressed and proclaimed, argued for, defended. Of course, we must first get our own houses in order. That is a crucial part of our formation something I think that Colby seeks and strives to do 
that your parents have striven for is to help you get your own house in order. But it's something we all continue to work on, even into adulthood. There's a beautiful quote from St. Maximilian Colby, which speaks to this age as much as it did to his. And I'll read it slowly so you could digest it. There's so much truth spoken in this. No one in the world can do and should do is seek truth and to serve it we have found it the real conflict is the inner conflict beyond armies of occupation and the hecatombs of extermination camps there are two irreconcilable elements and enemies in the depth of every soul good and evil sin and love. And what use are the victories on the battlefield if we ourselves are defeated in our innermost personal selves? First, we must master ourselves. Then we need to arm ourselves, like David. Five stones of wisdoms, but they are stones we must choose. And we must continue to hone our skills of reason so that we may do battle with the Goliaths of secularism, of atheism, of socialism. The evil one is clever. We must be more clever. We also, like David, have, insurmountable, have an insurmountable advantage in that if God is for us, who can be against us? So, you begin today, this commencement, this beginning of the ongoing training of your hearts and minds to prepare them for the inevitable opportunities which will arise in your lives to share and proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have been commissioned in your baptism, in your confirmation, and now, disciples of all nations and to teach them all what Jesus has taught us. Your goal is simple, that all men, women, and children in our homes, in our parishes, in our cities and country, throughout the world, across oceans and continents, even across the expanses of time, when asked the question, why did God make you? You'll know the answer. Because he loves me. God bless you all. God does know you by name. I'm praying for you. It's a great honor to be here today. God bless you. And have a wonderful, well-deserved summer vacation. God bless you. Okay, very good. Well... I don't know if I could top the Sermon on the Mount given by Mr. Frey. That truly was epic. I'm sitting in my office in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. Uh, not romantic at all. But it is a grace, a blessing, and a privilege to be with you all. So um, welcome to the families, to the friends, to the faculty, and to the graduates especially. 
I'm a stranger in these here parts. Colby, uh, I think I want to be adopted by you. If that's the caliber of your faculty and uh, Carolyn, your, your talk was so beautiful, uh, I want in. So I'd like to introduce myself and spend a few minutes trying to give you some words of inspiration, especially for the graduates. Uh, and again, good evening where I am or good afternoon or good morning from wherever you are. But uh, I am Bill Donahue. I have been a teacher and educator for uh, many, many years now, as you can tell by the gray beard. I've been involved in this beautiful Catholic faith uh, as an educator for the Theology of the Body Institute at Immaculata University as, a, as an adjunct faculty member and teaching for Homeschool Connections. And I can see some familiar names and faces from the graduates uh, who've crossed over to Homeschool Connections once in a while. But uh, my proudest uh, gift, uh, the one I'm, I'm so happy and thrilled about is the gift of my wife, Rebecca, and our four children. We are a fully adoptive family. We have a 12-year-old boy, a 10-year-old girl, an 8-year-old girl, and a 5-year-old boy. We have a beautiful melting pot of Belize, Irish, African-American, Cherokee, and Italian. So lots of fun, never a dull moment. As I travel the world as an educator for the Theology of the Body Institute, one of the beautiful things is that I get to communicate the gift of being husband, father, and a man of faith, a Catholic, to this international audience, to people young and old, to bishops, priests, consecrated souls, to universities, teenagers, down to kids receiving their confirmation. And all the while, as I travel, teach, and educate, I'm constantly being formed and shaped myself in everything that I'm doing. So I want to share just a little bit of actually a word that Carolyn mentioned, Carolyn Painter, in her talk, the word adventure for you tonight. And uh, I also want to pick up on something Mr. Frey said. This is providential. The idea of what authentic and true education is really all about. And uh, I, I, I'm struck by a quote from St. Columban as I was prepping and praying for all of you and for this address tonight. St. Columban once said, unfurl the sails and let God steer us where he will. You graduates are at a moment right now where... <laughs> Maybe you're a little nervous about unfurling the sails right now because you're not sure where you're going, but you're made for adventure. Uh, Mr. Frey, you really picked up on that from that epic location on top of the mountain. Every one of us is made for this eternal destiny with God, but the adventure begins here. And you know, the wonderful thing is that we have the Holy Spirit with us. Uh, I recently heard an amazing quote by Cardinal Cantalamesa. He said, the church is a sailboat, not a rowboat. Say that again. The church is a sailboat, not a rowboat. What does that mean? You know, you're being thrown out into the real world, graduates, very soon, uh, whatever that means. And we can be tempted to think like, well, I better start rowing. It's all on me. I'm, I'm a big boy now. I'm a big girl. And I got to start doing everything by myself. But, you know, not only is the church not a rowboat, your own life, your journey, this adventure, your beginning is not a rowboat. There'll be times when you've got to maybe kick it in, but it is the Spirit of God who has um, filled those sails. And all you've got to do is open them wide, right? Open them wide and let that Spirit move you and guide you as you move across the sea of history, as John Paul II says, with all the enthusiasm of a new evangelization. So your life is a sailboat, not a rowboat. So the idea of adventure, 
Um, I feel like at 51, you know, I graduated from high school in 1988. This is before the internet, smartphone, social media. This is when dinosaurs roamed the earth. It was the Jurassic period. And uh, the idea is, is though, that you are called out of yourself. This is the epic moment of your life where you're pulled. You're called to follow now. With fueled with what you've learned, you're called to follow your passion. What is the wind that moves you? The great American novelist Walker Percy, he once said, when we're 10 years old, the longing stirs and it never goes away. I want to encourage you all graduates to be opened to this longing right now, to start to carve out time for you to ponder, particularly this summer, what is the fire that the Lord has put in me? What is the sea breeze that comes across all that I've studied at Colby, all that I've taken in? What moves me most and where is it leading me? And let go into that. Okay, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. So I, I'm, I'm picturing all of you now as graduates. You are literally on the edge of the Shire. You know, it's kind of like Frodo and Sam and you're, you're dragging your fingertips over fresh corn and wheat and you're moving away from the familiar and the comfortable and it's a little scary. Once in a while, you feel like you hear elvish song in the forest ahead and you're drawn to that. But it's a nerve wracking moment, isn't it? Carolyn Painter, you shared so beautifully that, that sense of like, you're already missing Colby. There's certainly security. I mean, another Lord of the Rings image, right? Actually from The Hobbit. Bilbo Baggins, quite comfortable where he was in his Hobbit hole, right? Nice and clean, a full pantry. Everything's predictable and everything's comfortable. But suddenly the dwarves come in and they just start wrecking stuff. Okay, the summer ahead, the years ahead might feel like a bunch of dwarves coming in. But when Bilbo opens up his own heart, opens those sails, unfurls them that night before the roaring fire. And you all remember this if you saw or read The Hobbit. When the dwarves whip out the flutes, right? And they whip out the harps and they start singing. And please, graduates, sing along with me. Far over the misty mountains cold To dungeons deep and caverns old I know you're singing with me. We must away ere break of day To find our long-forgotten gold That music was what moved Mr. Baggins that unsettled him and stirred him to run, forgetting his handkerchief, leaping over the fence, saying, I'm going on an adventure. And this is all of you. The longing is stirring, and it's never going to go away. I want you to listen to it. I want you to get unsettled. I want you to let it pull you out of yourself. And this whole thing, you know, on the precipice right now of high school and entering into the next world, the next level, the next chapter of your adventure, is so exciting and I want all of you graduates tonight, wherever you're sitting right now, to just pause for a second, reflect, because this is part of it. You know, Bilbo just sat there listening to the music that moved him in the firelight and the pipe smoke rising up from the dwarves' pipes and he let all of that bombard his heart. Reflecting, pondering, thinking about the journey is so essential and by the way, uniquely human. Right, you're doing something that no other critter in the universe does. 
right? They don't have uh, Adobe Connect calls or Zoom calls. They don't have retreats. They don't sit in classrooms pondering uh, the Odyssey and the Iliad. They just do their animal thing. They don't have that transcendence that you and I have. They don't have that rich interior life and ability to wonder that God has gifted us with as human beings. So pause for a moment and ask now and in the coming months before the next move, the big existential questions. Right? What is the purpose of education? Mr. Frey, you talked about it. What does Plato say? The true means and purpose of education is to teach us to love what is beautiful. God is beauty, truth, and goodness. Ponder that for a moment. Pause and think. This means something. Here's a quote from uh, Pope Benedict XVI that I absolutely love, and I, I want it to become sort of the soundtrack of your life right now in these months of sort of gestation as you're waiting for the new birth as college begins. Pope Benedict said, Each one of us needs time and space for recollection, meditation, and calmness. In fact, this, needs, this need tells us that we are not made for work alone, but also to think, to reflect, or even simply to follow with our minds and our hearts a tale, a story in which to immerse ourselves. Okay, stories, tales, great myths, adventure. You've been immersed in that at Colby. I know you have. You've been drinking from this rich classical uh, uh, curriculum. You've tasted and you've seen it. This is why we exist. And this is essential that we step into it. So before you, you plunge into an industry, right? Plunge into the mystery. Before you jump into a job, you got to pause to the, and think about the journey. You got to wonder, why am I here? Where am I going? Okay, so all the stuff Colby's gifted you with remains. It's all in your backpack for the journey. You've probably learned tons. Um, I'm going to share briefly a couple things I remember from high school, which was about 6,000 years ago. Biology and chemistry. You know, the words that came to mind and I didn't have to search, you know, it just came. I remember endoplasmic reticulum, Golgi apparatus. I know what a vacuole is. You know, I also, I know how to make a triglyceride and I didn't have to look this up. I remember because in high school we had a substitute teacher balding with a big mustache who sang the answer. And because it was music, it burned itself into my soul. And so I can remember 30 some years ago to make a triglyceride, it's three fatty acids and a glycerol. I don't remember anything else from class, but I remember that substitute teacher singing it. So I remember that scientific methods and quantitative ways of looking at the world you've also unpacked, right? You've learned to use your mind. Historical information. You're going to retain some of that in your backpack. You're going to hold on to stuff. Uh, I remember the Babylonian exile, and I'm not, I don't have to look at this, it was 586 BC. Assyrian conquest was 722. I remember that. Eli Cotney invented the, uh, Eli uh, Whitney invented the cotton gin. I did have to look up the year. It was 1794. You've learned reading and writing skills, uh, heaps of it. You know what alliteration is and assonance. You know what a dangling participle is, right? Sounds creepy. But you've also entered into deeper levels of education. You've learned the philosophical and the theological. You've entered into truth with a capital T. 
And I pray at Colby, and it sounds like from what I've already heard, you've had an encounter, not just with your head, with knowledge of truths, but you've met truth face to face. That's the whole point of education too. Ready? To teach us to love what is beautiful and to fall in love. So all the things that have been gifted to you from Colby, all the stuff that's now in your backpack, in your brain, in your head, trickling down into your heart, the big question on this adventure is, right, what must I do? What's my role? What's my mission? Uh, another Lord of the Rings reference for you. Like Frodo, we're summoning the courage to say, I will take the ring, though I do not know the way. There's going to be a lot of questions. You're not going to be really clear on the way. You're going to enter into college and university and start thinking of your major, but you might switch a year or two in. That's fine, too. I mean, that's all part of the journey. It's it's a crooked road sometimes. Uh, we always joke about, right, Don't how do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. So don't overburden yourself with, I got to get it right. I got to figure it all out. I don't want you to stress out. You know, also, we're not like Frodo. We're heading to Mordor. Some of you might be going to work at Chick-fil-A for the summer, right? That's the exact opposite of Mordor. Chick-fil-A is heaven. Am I right? So you have worked, but it's time now to rest and reflect and to start thinking about the deeper questions of, again, who am I? Where have I come from? Where am I going? As faculty, as educators, as teachers, as a stranger from a strange land in southeastern Pennsylvania, we all want to invite you graduates to step out into this deep. Okay, to step out into the deep. Duke in Altum. This was a call of John Paul the Great. This is the call of all saints and mystics. And you are ready for this. You've been ready for a while. Remember your Walker Percy at the age of 10, the longing stirs and it never goes away. So encouraging you to jump out into this adventure and put out into the deep. The world as we know it is forgetting this very core reality of the being trumping the doing. It's not important that we become industrious and productive and successful. It's important that we become human. Human at its deepest level, especially in an age which is forgetting in horrific ways what it means to be human. I got another Walker Percy quote for you. In spite of great scientific and technological advances, man has not the faintest idea of who he is or what he is doing. We just don't know. And so what you're bringing is the knowledge. You're bringing what Colby's gifted you with, a classical Catholic education. I can't tell you how rich and invaluable that is. I think already you're getting a sense. I can see in the chat, you've been moved. You've been touched. You've had the encounter. So three thoughts, uh, actually four thoughts, I want to give you. As far as on the adventure, here's what I, I want to encourage you as your commencement addressee here. Encourage you to kind of incorporate, incarnate, take into yourself as young men and women equipped now with the glory of the gospel, with a solid uh, education, and stepping into a culture that is antithetical to much of what you've just received. Okay, so this is a little intense, but here we go. Number one, create quiet. We have got a boatload of noise in our culture today. It is frenetic. There is so much clanging and banging and screaming hashtags and anger 
and violence and all caps in YouTube comments. <laughs> and so what I want to encourage you to do in this great adventure moving ahead is to create, number one, quiet. Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish philosopher, said this, and he said this, by the way, in 1851, before Twitter, TikTok, the internet, and all this craziness, which again has its point and purpose. It could be good. But listen to Soren Kierkegaard. 1851, he said, if I were a physician and if I were allowed to prescribe just one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. For even if the word of God were proclaimed in the modern world, how could one hear it with so much noise? Therefore, create silence. This is 1851. If Kierkegaard were alive today, he would die. <laughs> We dropped it immediately. So creating a culture of quiet, creating a silence of the heart, of the eyes, of the ears. This means not so much that we're in a library, and it's shh, but it's attentiveness to reality. So create in your hearts a culture of quiet, a culture of silence. Silence can definitely be intense. Silence can be a little, a little bit intimidating. It can sometimes stir up a melancholic loneliness. It's not easy to address it. It brings us face to face with ourselves. Some of you I know have tasted this. Even with the isolation of the past year with COVID, it may have come up. It's not easy to sit in the white hot furnace of silence. I know that, but the Lord calls us into it. You know, when Jesus began his public ministry right before it, his movement was into the desert. Mother Teresa says silence is the language of God. So create silence. On this great adventure, there's going to be a lot of clanging sirens, right? Calling sirens, trying to draw you into the shallows and away from the silence. Away from those critical moments of being alone before the mystery. Here's another word from John Paul the Great. He said this back in 1992. Many young people seek to compensate for this loneliness, right, that the quiet, the silence can stir up, with substitutes of various kinds. Prisoners of the fleeting moment, they seek to consume the strongest, most gratifying individual experiences at the level of immediate emotions and sensations. Right, give it to me now. Instant gratification. Look, at, look around at our culture right now, right? Our, our smartphones, it's, it's not going fast enough. Good grief, it's going to space. Give it a second, right? It's so fast. And yet all of that consumption, all the stuff that we're consuming, it doesn't satisfy. John Paul says if we find ourselves indifferent and paralyzed, paralyzed to make authentic human choices. So create silence, create a culture of quiet in your heart, a little bit each day where you can be before the Lord in his great mystery, mercy, and love, and recognize you are a beloved son you are a beloved daughter. That's what we taste in the silence. Number two, be real. We have a generation right now lost in a virtual world of flashing images, hashtags, cropped and filtered images that are always smiling, always perfect, never having bad hair days. Right? We see this all the time all around us. You have to bring the real. That means that we bring our wounds. We bring our questions. We bring our own struggle. Uh, we're authentic. When somebody asks you, how are you? Give them a real answer. 
invite them into communion and conversation. Pope Francis says this about our digital age that you're a part of and that you're entering into. He says, it's not enough to be passers-by on the digital highways, simply connected. Connections need to grow into true encounters. Connections need to grow into true encounters, right? Facebook friends, friends we've actually never had coffee with, never met face-to-face, -face, never got the smell of, the presence of, the real presence. Pope Francis goes on, he says, we cannot live apart closed in on ourselves. We need to love and be loved. We need tenderness. So you're going to bring, and you're being real, second point, so create quiet, be real. You're going to create a, a revolution of tenderness, as Pope Francis writes, a revolution of tenderness. You're going to actually make eye contact. You're going to engage. And we're coming off a difficult year, young people. We're coming off a year of mass for years ahead of the pandemic, but now what's happened on the interior has manifested itself on the exterior. So you got to be real. You got to take off the mask, God willing, literally, but definitely emotionally and spiritually and be real. Everyone wants love and to be loved and they need to see your face. Pope Francis goes on. The gospel this is from Evangelia um, Gaudium. The gospel tells us constantly to run the risk of a face-to-face -face encounter with others. Okay, you're going to bring your face into every space and place. You're going to bring your smile. He says it's the risk. We risk a, an encounter with their physical presence, which challenges us with their pain, their pleas, with their joy, which infects us in our close, continuous interaction. Okay, we've been so isolated for so long because of this pandemic, but the you know it's thawing. I think the reign of the white witch is over. Aslan is on the move. Can I get an amen? So as, as this starts to thaw and people start to return to a, a kind of normal, we got to make it a new normal. I don't want to go back to the way it was. Bring the real. Okay. Part of that also is the reality of our very bodies, right? This amazing miracle that you are man and woman and the flower of your youth, you are masculine and feminine and you bring the icon of the living God who is a communion of persons into the world by your maleness and femaleness. That's also part of being real. Pope Francis said this in Laudato Si, the acceptance of our bodies as God's gift is vital for welcoming and accepting the entire world as a gift from the Father and our common home. Okay, so you, by you creating a culture of quiet and receiving God's word into your very flesh, blood, bones, and heart, right? By being real, you're grounding yourself in yourself. And yes, you may have questions, struggles, uh, attractions that distract, and you're trying to figure it out. Be real. Bring it all to the Lord. Accept the miracle of your body and press in. There's the journey. Understanding who I am as a young man, as a young woman. Accepting everything as gift. And you're going to bring into the world, here, here's what's going on. And this is, uh, this is still under number two here. Being real. You're bringing your head, your heart, and your hands into the world. 
this intellect that's been fed by Colby's teachers and faculty and your parents as your teachers, right? your informed head that seeks truth, your heart that has encountered a culture of beauty in our Catholic tradition, your heart's been moved by beauty and now has opened through grace, and your hands that have learned about self-giving love, service, and stewardship, your hands that bring goodness. So head, heart, hands, truth, beauty, goodness. This is your incarnate presence in the, in the world. This is what you're going to bring. You are the theology of the body that the world's aching to see, smell, taste, and touch. That's you. Okay, number three, and we're rounding, we're coming home, coming home. Be religious. Be religious. Now, what do I mean by that? Our present culture reacts when we say religion. Our present culture hears religion and thinks binding, stricture, rules and regulations. And so our present culture rejects religion and says, I want to be spiritual, but not religious. But you're going to be religious. The true meaning of religare is to be bound. Ligare means also harmony. Our religion... G.K. Chesterton says, make it less of a theory and more of a love affair. Our religion is more akin to this bond, the wedding bond, the symbol of the ring here, than it is a binding of our freedom. So be religious. Don't be afraid to open up the beauties of your Catholic faith in beautiful, subtle, maybe nuanced ways. Right, Waft the attractive fragrance of our, of our Catholicism into the culture that you step into. Be religious because the culture they don't understand the authentic quality of what real religion is i'm going to share one more quote from dr timothy petitsis to the culture you're stepping into in universities and college campuses in just a few months religion can can just seem like god coming down at us scolding us telling us to stay where we are but just do better but real religion this is what you're going to bring, must awaken the movement in the other direction to make us come out of ourselves, move towards him, fall in love with him. Real religion is about beginning an adventure, becoming a pilgrim, an exile, a lover. Can you imagine, young people, dear graduates, can you imagine you bringing this kind of religion into the world, this amazing bond of love? This thirst for the eternal. Finally, and I'll bring it home and close off my, uh, my commencement thoughts here for you, graduates, as I continue to pray for you and your families and the faculty at Colby. Show your face. I already talked about it, but honestly, show your face. Monsignor Lorenzo Albacetti, a dear friend of John Paul II for many years, he was a physicist who uh, became a Catholic priest. Lorenzo Albacetti says, Your face is how one person is present to the other. This is your sacrament. It's self-exposure before the other, toward each other. The face is the bearer of personal presence. It's efficacious symbol, your face. It's sacrament. Your face makes you vulnerable. It reveals you in your most naked nakedness, defenselessness without resources. I want to challenge graduates. I want to challenge you all as you step into this new chapter of your adventure, which is so exciting. And wherever the sails get filled with the wind of the Spirit and move you, praise God for it. 
bring the beauty of your face. Mother Teresa said, peace begins with a smile. Let that shine. Psalm 34 says, look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. You have been gifted with an authentic, classical Catholic education. You've been living sacramental grace. You're coming from places of love, safety and security. You have nothing to fear. The Lord is with you. He is in you. Bring that shining light, that radiance of truth, beauty, and goodness in your very body, in your face, to the world that is desperately, hungrily seeking it and not finding it. We have to be the face of Christ for the world. Amen. Colby Academy graduates, it's a blessing and a privilege to have been with you for this ceremony. I will continue to pray for you. God bless you and thank you so much. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Admayorum Dei Gloriam. 